We could have been on the surface of the moon. Bleary-eyed, we left the airport and took off on a thin thread of road that wound along the coastline. The layers of craggy rock, the open sky, the vastness of this landscape, and my own smallness all met in my chest. We traveled long stretches without any sign of human life around us. No other cars on the road, no buildings, no power lines, no people. From the looks of it, we were on the moon, but we had just arrived in Iceland. We had arrived along the rim of the Arctic Circle, a place that had been dubbed the land of fire and ice. Stark was a word that became a refrain in my head during our time there. Not exactly the description you think of when setting up wedding flowers. Stark and striking, but also soft. I say that because within that meeting point of vastness and smallness, the low-lying flowers and dense moss show themselves, reveal themselves as some byproduct of that fire-and-ice alchemy. And after what felt like traveling through endless rolling hills of jagged rock, a soft carpet of purple suddenly unfurled before us, surrounded us, stretched out to the horizon. Sheep and horses grazed in it. In a way, this purple carpet would define our time in Iceland. It certainly became emblematic of my time there. And this seemingly infinite pasture of purple was made up of thousands of lupin flowers. My name is Allison B. Young, and this is Gathered Storied Botanicals. Getting to travel overseas for work was a first for me, and I'm so grateful to have gotten to go. The garden and flower shop I work for, Nature Composed, had been asked to set up a destination wedding in Iceland, and when the shop's owner Jen asked me to join the group, I felt very moved that she would include me, but also couldn't quite believe it would actually happen. And what I expected to be nerve-wracking, something that seems to be par for the course with big wedding setups, became this near-effortless series of very fortunate events. The wedding flowers we ordered through an Icelandic florist were breathtakingly beautiful. Our Airbnb became the ideal spot for a makeshift workspace, complete with lilac and lupin and peak bloom. They were only steps away to reach for and harvest so we could fill out our arrangements with true bona fide Icelandic flowers. The wedding went off without a hitch, and we had time to explore the landscape of volcanoes, glaciers, and waterfalls. Our Icelandic adventure could be encapsulated in the idiomatic phrase Thetara Dost, which means it's all going to work out in the end. Part of this optimism could be attributed to the incredible swaths of lupin flowers all around us during our time there. It became a key piece for our floral arrangements, and it also conjured memories from childhood, so I quickly developed this sentiment for the flower in their Icelandic home. Lupin flowers are not native to Iceland. They were brought to the country in the mid-20th century in order to help combat erosion throughout the predominantly treeless landscapes. Since then, they have taken over, 
and for some are regarded negatively as an invasive species, pushing out other native plants. The flower's ability to proliferate stretches beyond the open spaces of Iceland, but through history as well. Ancient Egyptians and Romans relied on them for food and money, at least theater money. To go see a play in ancient Rome, you might see the dried yellow lupin seeds pass between the actors' hands as pretend currency. And today, along the Mediterranean, you can still buy lupin seeds to eat, often by the jar and pickled in brine. They are part of the pea family with similar nutrition to soybeans. The lupin seeds have been a key source of food for about 6,000 years, from Egypt to southern Europe and to the Andes. But before going out to look for plants to eat, know that many varieties of lupin are poisonous. According to one source, the symptoms of lupin poisoning can show themselves within an hour of consuming it, and can be as varied as nervousness or depression, to difficulty breathing and loss of muscle control. Large quantities can cause respiratory paralysis, put someone in a coma, or kill them. But as is the case with so many types of flowers, the lupin is just as capable of healing as it is harming. Native American tribes have honed a depth of knowledge around the plant, knowing which species are safe to use for medicinal purposes. They can brew the leaves of the plant into a tea, which, served cold, could soothe nausea and treat internal hemorrhaging. Whether claiming us as victims or patients, these flowers contain multitudes. Even their name suggests the contrasting nature of the plant. Lupine or lupin comes from the Latin word lupinus, which refers to lupus or wolf. Back in ancient Rome, the Romans observed how lupines invaded fields with poor soil. While other plants seemed to struggle to grow, the lupins thrived. Because of this, they believed that the lupin were robbing the soil and its neighboring plants of nutrients and life, just as a wolf might rob a field of its flock of sheep. In reality, though, the lupin is more collaborative than it is predatory. It actually forms a symbiotic relationship with rhizobium bacteria, which is known for enriching or fixing nitrogen in the soil. This type of bacteria often works harmoniously with legumes by forming on nodules of the plant's root systems. This goes back to why Iceland introduced lupin into its landscapes. Long ago, about 40% of Iceland was made up of tree cover. When the curved end of a Viking longship first pulled up to the black shorelines in the 9th century, the deforestation of the country began. By the turn of the 20th century, only about 1% of the land was covered by forest. Since losing nearly all of its trees, Iceland has grappled with erosion, wind-blown soil, and even sandstorms. Lupin's ability to fix nitrogen in the soil were introduced to bring back the land's fertility. It's no wonder that the symbolism often tied to the flower is imagination, new opportunities, and a hunger for life, bringing renewed vigor or lushness to an area previously parched. These flowers may know how to take up space, even crowd out other plants, but they also know how to bring back life and new beauty to an area that feels as barren as the moon. 
Stepping off the deck of our rented house, I was immediately greeted, nearly engulfed by all the lupin flowers. These tall spires of rich blue and purple florets that resemble sweet pea blooms have leaves that form a radial pattern, each lobe like its own petal. I couldn't help but be reminded of a piece of my growing up, a book my mom read to me as a kid. Barbara Cooney wrote and illustrated a book called Miss Rumphus, a children's book that followed the life story of Alice Rumphus, or the Lupine Lady. The fictional character Alice Rumphus is based on a real person, Hilda Hamlin. The British transplant moved to New England and spread lupin seeds to bring some extra beauty and color to the seaside landscapes. It felt strangely serendipitous that when I went looking for the book after returning from Iceland, I discovered that it was first published by Viking Press. Flipping through the illustrations made me feel as though the story could have taken place in Iceland just as easily as it did in New England. Even the cover illustration depicts the story's protagonist in a stark landscape. The misty background shows a few sparse evergreen trees, framed by a water's edge and dramatic cliffs and craggy rocks. The lupin flowers in the foreground offer the vibrant contrast in the illustration. We first meet Alice as an inquisitive child, raised by her immigrant grandfather working as an artist and craftsman. Enthralled by the stories he told her and a love for books and knowledge, she grew up and pursued a life working in libraries and travel. Age and injury slowed Alice down and she returned to New England where she settled in a house by the sea. Neither Aileen would mark the end of her story though. Slowly, she gained her strength back and pursued the final of her life's aspirations to make the world more beautiful. It was planting lupin seeds all around her home and community that fulfilled the string of hers. Cooney describes it near the end of the story. Fields and hillsides were covered with blue and purple and rose-colored flowers. They bloomed along the highways and down the lanes. Bright patches lay around the schoolhouse and back of the church. Down in the hollows and along the stone walls grew the beautiful flowers. I had forgotten how this story resonated with me. I remember wanting to be like Miss Rumphus, wanting to adopt her life tenants, to travel and meet new people, to find a sense of belonging, and to make things better somehow. In some ways, it feels a little silly, a little bit of Hallmark sentimentality to set out goals like see faraway places or make the world a more beautiful place. But Cooney captured what fulfillment could look like succinctly, so simply yet elegantly. Her deft hand wrote a story accessible for my child mind to recognize that fulfillment, even if I couldn't articulate it. The story of the Lupin Lady is a story of agency, of autonomy and freedom. Alice's happy ending was not bestowed upon her from a kingdom, or prince, or for her beauty. Rather than the fairy tales that abide by seemingly arbitrary rules and magic, Alice found her happy ending from her own sense of self, or, as it was described in an article by The Atlantic, her inner compass. Alice's happy ending was pioneered 
by her curiosity and her humility. A different kind of magic, the balancing of knowledge and intuition, the reconciling of the world's vastness and our ability in our smallness. Revisiting Miss Remphis came with that warm, cozy nostalgia, but it also made me realize that perhaps I've been striving to emulate Barbara Cooney, the author herself. Described as a librarian's illustrator, Cooney has written and illustrated over 110 books for children, choosing understated but rich stories to illustrate. Reading up on Cooney's work and life, I couldn't help but draw parallels between her ability to take these understated stories and breathe new color and life into them with the nature of the lupin flower. Both have worked prolifically, and both have left things better than before they arrived. It will never cease to amaze me how much depth lies within a single flower, just as I will always be dazzled by the layered richness and the quiet power of a well-told story. Traveling to Iceland and rereading Miss Remphis has brushed whatever dust might have clung to my own inner compass. I strive to write stories that resonate the same way Kumi's did for me way back as a child. I hope that one day my own work can make room for anyone to sit where vastness meets smallness and to take in the beauty that's there. Gathered Storied Botanicals is a monthly podcast. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. This episode was written and produced by me, Allison B. Young. Original music composed and performed by Raven Bauer Durham. Thank you for waiting through June and into these dog days of summer for this episode's release. I appreciate you tuning in for each episode. Come back on August 19th for the next episode. And if you liked what you heard here, please consider rating the show and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also head over to the website gathered-storybotanicals.com if you'd like more flowers in your life. Thank you for listening, and until next time.